0: Brown's Talkin' Birds.
1: Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store or Leanscape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com by Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com and proudly sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. Ocean State Bird Club loves Talkin' Birds. Every month we invite you to see the latest avian activity around Rhode Island on one of our free walks. Check out our schedule on our website, OceanStateBirdClub.org. And follow us on Facebook for the latest and greatest in birding that Rhode Island has to offer. Ocean State Bird Club.
2: Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 735. We'll start off with some good news from California about the California condor, largest bird in North America. Will due in large part to lead poisoning, the population of California condors sank to just 22 birds in the 1980s. But there are now more than 200 free-flying birds in California, Arizona and Baja, California, and more than 150 in captivity. And all who root for the bird survival will be happy to know that a ban on lead ammunition for hunting wildlife in California is now in effect as of the first of july that bill was signed into law in 2013 the birds get poisoned by lead when they feed on carcasses of animals killed by lead shot and lead remains a severe threat to the condors long-term prospects it's considered to be the number one mortality factor for free-flying juvenile and adult california condors by the way violators of California's lead ammunition ban will be fined up to five hundred dollars for a first offense, and no less than a thousand and up to five thousand dollars for a second or subsequent offense. Violators also risk losing hunting privileges. That's part of a performance of the original 1913 version of the tune El Condor pasa whose title apparently can be interpreted a few different ways, but I like the translation, The Condor Flies. This bird also flies. It's our mystery bird, and this is a preview of our mystery bird contest coming along a little bit later on in the show, but we'll get you ready for it with these clues. Our mystery bird is a medium-sized songbird with a short, thick, pointed bill and a white tail with a black triangle in the middle. The male in breeding plumage has a black crown, chest, and belly with deep chestnut brown color on the back or nape of its neck. Our bird, which feeds by foraging on the ground for seeds and insects, is found mostly on the grassy prairies of the American Plains states. That would be our mystery bird, and we have three beautiful prizes this morning, including a droll Yankee's bottoms-up finch feeder. Not very hospitable for house sparrows, for example, but great for goldfinches and chickadees and nuthatches. Bonus prizes, a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app. It's pretty cool. It's the app that makes learning bird sounds a game. And a big bag of delicious bird-friendly, shade-grown birds and beans coffee. Prizes on our mystery bird contest coming along just a little bit later on in the show this morning.
1: Extra, extra, Read all
2: about it. Some of the stories and videos we have for you on our Facebook page this week. Hey, another good news story about California condors. A condor hatchling has been confirmed at Vermilion Cliffs National Monument in northern Arizona. We have the story courtesy of public station KNAU out of Northern Arizona University. And we have some good news about some much smaller birds from our hometown of Boston, Massachusetts, where a pair of piping plovers has hatched four chicks at the L Street Beach. It's the first time piping plovers have hatched on a beach within the Boston city limits in at least 30 years. We'll connect you to that story from WBUR Radio. And we have some great photos from swag-wearing talking Birds listeners from our recent Make Your Own Swag contest. They're pretty cool. Check them out. All of that on our Facebook page right now. And now time to say thank you, thank you, thank you to three new Talkin' Birds ambassadors. Ambassadors are talking Birds listeners who have answered our on-air call and have allowed us to send them little talking Birds info cards to hand out to their friends and neighbors to help spread the word about... Our show and about birds and conservation. Thank you to Phyllis Fuse Arrins from Eagle Point, Oregon. She says, "My husband Bill and I enjoy listening to Talking Birds podcasts when we're traveling. We always go birding wherever we go. Love to guess the mystery bird too." Thank you, Phyllis. And by the way, our special guest on the show this morning is also from Oregon, and he's a Talking Birds ambassador as well. We'll meet him in just a few minutes. Thank you to Siva Gopal Narayanan. From Plano, Texas, he says he got introduced to our show through Scott Simon on Saturdays. Scott is the host of uh, Weekend Edition Saturday on NPR, and we're lucky enough to be on there with him from time to time. He says he enjoys uh, hearing Mike O'Connor too. Dude, we haven't heard that before, but uh, you know, you never know. Somebody would like almost anything that we could put on. Who knows? He says the program motivates me to find time to birdwatch in spite of a hectic work schedule. I started birding in college about 40 years ago in India. He said, I am proud of myself a few weeks ago when I got the eastern kingbird right when there are no correct answers on the air. Thank you, Siva. Thank you to Don Amaralian from Burlington, Massachusetts. He says, I listened via cast box in my car while driving from Burlington, Mass. to Center Harbor, New Hampshire, where I have a house on Lake Waukewan. He says he was surprised how many people hadn't heard about our show, but he's been handing out cards, and he says they will all be listening now. (laughs) Uh, By the way, Don had an interesting experience with an eastern screech owl and a raptor rehabilitator. We'll tell Don's story next week, but for those who can't wait for a little raptor rehabilitator talk, we've got you covered thanks to this morning's aforementioned special guest. Talking Birds listeners, please become a Talking Birds ambassador the way Don and Siva and Phyllis have done. Easy to do and easy to sign up. Just click on the contact button at TalkingBirds.com and choose the become an ambassador option. Still to come on our show today, we'll catch up with Mike O'Connor in that Let's Ask Mike segment with more detailed advice about whether you should clean out nest boxes after the fledglings have flown or at least moved out and up next, a bird with common in its name, even though there's nothing common about something it does, is today's featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. There's a fellow we know from way out west who's poor and common. His name is Will. Will. Well, okay, Will is just part of his name, and poor and common are the other parts. Put them together in the correct order, and you have today's featured feathered friend, the common poor Will. Like its larger relatives, the whippoorwill and the will's widow, the poor Will gets its name from its call. And there's something about the common poor will that's very uncommon. It is, according to some researchers, the only bird in North America that hibernates. While many birds can slow their metabolism to conserve energy into sort of a semi-hibernating state called torpor, the common poor will seems to extend that state to the point where it's at least very close to actual hibernation. And maybe just as remarkably, these birds can still fly when their bodies have cooled as much as 24 degrees Fahrenheit below their normal active temperature. Nothing common or poor about all that. Common poorwills are part of the Caprimulgidae family, often referred to as goat suckers, a name they earned because, with their huge gaping mouths, it was believed they fed on goat's milk by night. The truth is, they were often seen near these animals because of the insects the goats attracted. Well camouflaged by day, the night feeding common poor will actually feeds mainly on beetles, moths and grasshoppers which it takes from the ground or by launching itself into the air. Find the common poor will throughout most of the American West in summer and in the deep southwest and Mexico in winter. A most uncommon bird indeed, the common poor will, Phalaenoptilus natali, today's Talkin' Birds featured feathered friend. Welcome again to our show, number 735. This is when we always invite you to visit our website, TalkinBirds.com, and to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at TalkinBirds. Well, we talked briefly about bird rehabilitation a few minutes ago we're now about to meet a man who not only visited a bird rehabilitator recently but took his entire third grade class with him he's a friend of the show and a talking birds ambassador who's teaching kids to love birds in the natural world he's kevin south and he joins us right now from in or near roseburg oregon good morning kevin good morning ray good morning i know the school is in roseburg but i'm not sure if you are or if you're near there
3: Uh, Well, actually, right now we're in Corvallis, Oregon, visiting family. so you could say I'm a traveling correspondent.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I like it. On the road with Kevin. So I'd I'd like to ask you about being on the road and your trip with uh, your third graders, uh, Kevin. But first, if you would, tell us about your class and how you fit birds and nature into the curriculum.
3: Well, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I stopped to think about all the ways that we do birds over the course of the year, and it doesn't seem like very much at the time, but it, it, it all adds up over over that nine months. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a variety of ways. You know, the, the culminating thing that we do is really our bird watching lessons and our, our arboretum on our campus. Mm -hmm. and uh, we use the Cornell Lab of Ornithology bird sleuth curriculum for that and it's exciting because this year the students were able to have a set of binoculars in each one of their hands for the first time and um, yeah so uh, that was all thanks to our booster club and the money that they provided for us so that that was a fabulous experience for them
2: so Cornell Lab gives you lesson plans even right that are tied to even to state standards so you can sort of legally use them Is is that about right?
3: Yeah, if, if you visit the Bird Sleuth website through the Cornell Lab, they provide uh, lesson plans uh, as well as things that we do in class like a bird of the month um, extension piece where uh, we do in class uh, mini lessons on a, on a certain type of bird and then we send home resources, additional resources for families to, to view
2: hmm. Well, you have to teach all these other things right to your students here. You have to teach a little history and geography and English and all that. Right. So you yep, absolutely. So but you managed to squeeze the other part in there um, among all those others.
3: Uh, well, multitasking and fle- flexibility are our watchwords in third grade, <laughs> that's for sure.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, we know that kids are looking at one kind of screen or another uh, most of the time. Uh, you weren't sure, if I'm correct, that uh, you'd be able to draw them away from the electronic world into the natural world, but I think you said you were presently uh, pleasantly surprised at what happened, right?
3: Yeah, I know it it's absolutely fascinating, you know, students they spend quite a bit of time whether it's at school or at home with a, a video screen in front of them, whether it's a lesson that they're learning at school or whether it's a game that they're playing at, at home. Um yeah, and I was I was apprehensive at first uh taking them out to the arboretum with their binoculars, um but it was it was fascinating to see the way that their attention and engagement switched switched from something that was maybe very flashy and fast-paced to be able to slow down to observe the birds that were around them. We had um, a northern flicker that came out, and it just rested right in the grass across from the kids. And to see a class of of 30 students all of a sudden freeze in place and slowly lay down on the grass with their binoculars as if they were snipers in the bush or something, and just watch (laughs) this northern flicker put on a show for them. It was fascinating. Wow. So.
2: Well, in our pre-show correspondence, Kevin, you described an event that you said has given you the most hope for the future, and what you just said reminded me of it. It was about a third grader watching an anthill.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we went out to the Arboretum, and there are quite a few ants in the Arboretum, as they like that sugary sap that's up there. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was just absolutely captivated, you know, this little guy, he, he came out, he's you know, it took him a little while to kind of get in the mood, but then he stopped, and he just watched the ants go in and out of the anthill, mm-hmm. carrying food to and fro, and just ants being themselves. And it was like, you know, the the most engaging thing he could be watching at that moment were these ants, which seemed so commonplace. But, you know, like he had, for the very first time, he could really see them with his own eyes. It was amazing.
2: Mm-hmm. So you took your entire third grade class to the Cascades Raptor Center in Eugene, Oregon, where they specialize yeah. in rehabilitation of birds of prey. Uh, Tell us how that went and and, uh, how you overcame a little challenge presented by your teaching partner.
3: (laughs) Yeah, so my teaching partner, she's been quite the trooper over this last year um, as she's actually frightened of birds. Um, So the Cascades Raptor Center, um, it was an awesome experience, and we were able to do, um, you know, not necessarily one-on-one, but they brought out individual raptors to us to be able to, to view We got to see a northern harrier, a turkey vulture, and a western screech owl up close. Mm -hmm. And uh, my my poor teaching partner, she was such a good sport about it, but she did stay towards the back of of the presentation (laughs) at all times.
2: You could have brought Uh, her to see songbirds or something instead of starting with birds of prey.
3: Yeah, you know, well, we also have violet green swallows at our school, and, and she's a good sport about that as well, but she also keeps her distance, so, but inch by inch.
2: <laughs> right, one step at a time, one, one flap at a time. Well, one more yeah. question, Kevin. What happens when these kids move on to fourth grade and fifth grade? Are you optimistic that they'll hold on to this nature connection that you've given them? <laughs>
3: Oh, I, I don't have to be optimistic. I, I know for a fact that there are kids that go out and, and continue to birdwatch mm-hmm. um, afterwards. At the end of the school year, I provide them with um, a list of resources that I use, uh, magazines I, I read, uh, books I read and enjoyed, places that they can go locally to birdwatch. There are a few hot spots around. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a local school nearby that has a nature trail um, where mm-hmm. you can see quite a few birds, you know, um, spotted towhees and uh, uh, let's see, red-breasted or red-bellied sapsuckers, um, uh, you know, all, all kinds of birds. And okay. so, uh, yeah, they've come back to me with, with pleasant reports of, of, of the birds that they've seen and, and gotten to encounter with. All
2: right. That's Kevin South, who teaches kids to love the natural world in Roseburg, Oregon. Thanks so much, Kevin, and good luck with your next throng of third graders.
3: Oh, thank you so much. You have a fabulous morning.
2: All right, thank you, Kevin. Kevin South out there in, uh, I think he said he's in Corvallis, Oregon, right now, in the school there in Roseburg. Coming up next here on Talking Birds, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute.
4: The North American Butterfly Association is launching the Butterfly Habitat Network, a new continent-wide conservation initiative. Using decades of accumulated knowledge, NABA is scaling up efforts to protect, enhance, and create habitat specifically for butterflies. Butterflies are important pollinators of native plants and represent as caterpillars, a major food resource for birds. Habitats critical to butterflies are essential to nesting waterfowl, neotropical migratory birds, upland game birds, and more. The NABA board of directors and staff have selected projects across North America as a starting point of the Butterfly Habitat Network. If we can save butterflies, we can save ourselves. It's more than just a slogan, it's the understanding that adequate, well cared for space for the wildlife of this planet will ensure survival and quality of life human beings find out how you can help by visiting naba.org by the way if you're not hearing
2: our sunday morning show live we do it live from 9 30 to 10 sunday mornings that's eastern time Uh, you think you're not able to enter our mystery bird contest well you can by listening online and that's pretty easy to do go to talkingbirds.com to uh, see how to do it you can listen on any internet uh, connected device just about uh, anywhere so our mystery bird contest works this way we play some clues or we play sound of the bird and we give some clues and invite you to call in and tell us what that bird is for example the sound of our mystery bird. And you're eligible to win in our contest here if you haven't been a winner within six months here on Talking Birds. And don't forget if you don't know exactly what the bird is, take a guess because a drawing will determine our winner if we get no uh, exactly correct answer. 781-837-4900 is the number. 781-837-4900. We have a beautiful batch of prizes including the Droll Yankees Bottoms Up Finch Feeder. Not very hospitable for house sparrows and starlings, which have difficulty hanging upside down by their feet. They can't really do it. But great for other birds that you'd love to see at your feet or gullfinches and chickadees and woodpeckers and nuthatches. That's one of our prizes. Another bonus prize, a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app, the app that makes learning bird sounds a game and a big bag of delicious bird-friendly, shade-grown birds and beans coffee. Those are the prizes. Uh, Don't hesitate. Please give us a call as soon as you can with your definitive answer or your guess at 781-837-4900. That's 781-837-4900 on our mystery bird contest. Meanwhile, once the birds uh, have hatched and fledged and left the nest, what do you do about your nest box? Should you clean it out? We'll find out. Mike O'Connor will have the answer for us um, on our Let's Ask Mike segment. Let's Ask Mike live in just one minute.
1: talking birds we're for the birds and we want to say thanks to another talking birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation this is emily rains in tallahassee florida i love listening to talking birds and learning everything that's happening in the birding community and also getting ideas of how to help with conservation efforts near me i would encourage anyone who enjoys listening to talking birds to become an ambassador because the show is a fun way to learn more about birds and conservation is an important thing for all of us to be a part of. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talking Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, TalkinBirds.com. Click on the contact button and then choose the become an ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at TalkinBirds.com. And thanks.
2: Mike O'Connor down at the Birdwatcher's General Store, the famous Birdwatcher's General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, Massachusetts, is about to join us. Good morning, Mike.
0: Good morning. Good morning, Rand. Good morning. What is that guy, Siva? Uh, Siva guy.
2: Gopal I... Naironinen.
0: Oh, yeah, I know that guy. He's is it from... a guy? I don't He's even from... know. I, you know, I'm embarrassed to say I, I wish I could... The man, woman. Uh, that's, yeah. uh, that's a new name for me, so I apologize. But he said he she said some nice things about me so uh
2: he did, and that's the first here on the show, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Actually, you know, I, I, looked, I looked up the name Siva and found out it is a, a male name. So okay. uh, I think we're safe to say that is that uh, Siva is a, is a heap uh, Oh, good. All right, yeah. cool. Well, thanks. Anyway, Anyways, right. what were we talking about? Oh, cleaning out nest boxes. Is it something you should do or should just leave them, uh, you know, nice and cluttered up there?
0: Oh, that's right. Last, last week, a woman from Virginia had uh, a family of bluebirds. That was right. Kim. To-
2: Kim from Northern Virginia. Yeah, and asked about that. Yeah,
0: Tim, is that a man or a woman? We don't know. what Oh, that is. here we go again. Yeah, <laughs> Let me look this
2: up while you're talking.
0: <laughs> anyway, yeah, and and yes, yeah, you should clean them out. There's a little bit bit about back and forth whether sometimes the nests have parasites, but the parasites eat the parasites on the birds and back and forth. But yeah. I don't, you know, clean them out. Here's the deal, you know the. Um, I need to, I clean out all my boxes. And sometimes, especially the chickadee boxes, chickadees make these lovely moss nests. And by the, they're little, it's like a moss cup. But by the time the birds fledge, they flattened it all down. And so I open the box and I slide it out. It's like like taking, uh, you know, a a hot pad out. It's nice, like a coaster. It's nice and (laughs) flat and thick. And you clean out the box. But some birds are disgusting. Tree swallows, their nests are always (laughs) full of feathers and droppings. and, And those definitely need to be cleaned out, and then there's sometimes the egg doesn't hatch, and so that's in there, or sometimes the birds don't survive for whatever reason, so there's dead birds in there there's a million reasons to clean them out and I would do that I, I always put on gloves sometimes I'll take a, a like a spatula an old spatula that that helps kind of sc- scrape things out and then I have to put the spatula back in the kitchen drawer before my wife finds out <laughs> and, and it, but it, it's, it's helpful to, to clean them out and you know mass Audubon as always uh suggested that you kind of sc- scrub them out with like a mild bleach solution they have like a 9 to 1 formula just a, you know uh, one part bleach for every 9 parts water and um i would do all, all of that or at least clean them out and let them air off while let them dry out maybe hose it out a little bit if you can do that but then they're ready to go for the next year and you know no no parasites or or, or mites Get passed on to the next family of
2: birds. All right, people always want to make their nest boxes look nice too. What about painting them? That's uh, what do you say about that?
0: Well, it's surprise. I always go with the natural look because yeah. I'm lazy, but I think that's what the birds want to do. And so, uh, if, if you're going to paint it, certainly don't paint the inside. Yeah. And if you're going to paint it, um, paint them. You know, a, a few months before you put them out. Let the paint cure. Don't, don't paint them and put them out, because those things those give me a headache. I can't imagine what they would do to baby birds. And it's surprising, as I always argue, I'll keep the box natural, and then and, and some, somebody will paint it look like, you know, Graceland or something, and they get birds nesting in there, so what do I know? But, yeah, I, if you're going to paint it, do it uh, a, a few months before you put it out to let the paint cure and dry and get the stink out of it.
2: All right, Graceland, Memphis, Tennessee. All right, Mike, thank you so much. <laughs> okay. And we'll talk, All to right, you, Ray. talk to you next week. Sounds great. All Goodbye. right. Mike O'Connor down there at the famous Bird Watchers General Store. Meanwhile, we're uh, going to back to the mystery bird contest um, right after this. For over a quarter century, Bird Watching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Regular contributors include expert birders and authors such as Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and others. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. Back to the mystery bird uh, contest. We're listening to the sound of our mystery bird. A medium-sized songbird with a short, thick, pointed bill and a white tail with a black triangle in the middle. The male in breeding plumage has a black crown, chest, and belly with deep chestnut brown color on the back or nape of its neck. Our bird, which feeds by foraging on the ground for seeds and insects, is found mostly on the grassy prairies of the American Plains States, What would our mystery bird be? Tell us or take a guess at 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. We have Chris, and I believe that's Albion, California. Good morning, Chris. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Welcome. Uh, Albion is whereabouts, Chris? Um, North of San Francisco in Mendocino County mm-hmm. on be- the coast. Beautiful area. Redwood. That's a beautiful yes. place you got out there, yeah. So, Chris, uh, our mystery bird, um, what do you say? I say the Bobo Link. The Bobo Link. Yeah, that's our, oh. Oh, man, that's the first time I've lost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, congratulations. Oh, wow. <laughs> congratulations sure, on, on that first thing sure there. Sure. there. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks. Try us again. Thank you, Chris. All right, Chris, there in Albion, California with a guest of a. Link. Okay, there's some of those characteristics described in the clue, but not the bird we were uh, looking at there. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, closer to home in Pembroke, Massachusetts, right down the road from us is Faith, and she is on the line there. Good morning, Faith.
3: Good morning, Ray. I'm
0: also one of your ambassadors.
2: Well, thank you so much for that. How's that working out?
0: That's
1: working out excellent. I'm almost out of cards, so I'll have to contact you to get some more.
2: All right, we have some waiting to send to you whenever you request them. Excellent. <laughs> right.
1: So my guest yeah. is a chestnut-collared longspur?
2: Chestnut-collared longspur. That's a what could really could that be? Yes. That is correct. That was a, that was kind of a tough one. Although we did give that clue by adding the word chestnut right in the the color description. Did that help at all, or you just figured it out without You know what,
3: the triangle
0: on the tail was my key,
2: yep. Okay, yes, a very distinctive field mark. Well, nice job, and and good for you uh, for getting that uh, faith. Beautiful, beautiful work. Do you know where the term longspur comes from? Why they call it that? No. It's uh, actually because it has an elongated claw on the hind toe, so it's a a longspur. So there it oh, is. Very
1: interesting. A
2: little extra info for you to, uh, at your next cocktail party. Exactly. Faye, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you so much. Thank you for being in the Talking Birds Ambassador, and thank you and congratulations. Stay on the line. Jesse will take care of all that for you.
1: All right. Have a good day.
2: Thanks so much. And we're about out of town for our, out of not out of town, but out of time for our show today. Next week, our resident Aussie, Freya McGregor, will teach us a bit about, the Birds of Australia, and maybe a little bit about how to
3: G'day, mate. How are ya?
2: talk Australian. Yeah, that'll be on our show next week. Uh, so tune in for that, and don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at Talking Birds. And thank you to our amazing Talking Birds team, Debbie Bleacher, Freya McGregor, and our producing engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. <laughs>
0: Ray Brown's Talking Birds.
1: Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Or Leanscape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com By Birds and Beans shade grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com By LL Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. And LL sponsored by Ocean State Bird Club. Ocean State Bird Club loves talking birds. Every month, we invite you to see the latest avian activity around Rhode Island on one of our free walks. Check out our schedule on our website, OceanStateBirdClub.org, and follow us on Facebook for the latest and greatest in birding that Rhode Island has to offer. Ocean State Bird Club.